You're listening to The Gathering Church Podcast located in Asheville, North Carolina. The Gathering is a place you can belong before you believe. To find out more, visit gatherashville.org. Good morning. My name is Mikey. I am the student director here, and I just want to say uh, welcome. We are glad that you're here. I know it's the uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving, and so you're probably hungover by Turkey. Um, And so we are glad that you came and you chose to be here this morning. I believe that God has uh, a message for us this morning. I believe that he's been been teaching me this for a long time. And, and, And I also believe it's one of those messages that when you hear it, you're probably gonna be like, yeah, that makes sense. I don't think we're going to have any debates um, afterwards on whether this is a message that is uh, biblical or accurate or anything. I think it's a very straightforward message, but, but it's one of those messages that I believe if we take it to heart and we do it, I think it could change the world. And that's not just a, 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 an overstatement. I really truly believe that if we could take this to heart, it could change the world. And so we've been in a series called All That Matters. And today's message is titled, Pay It Forward. Pay It Forward. We've probably all um, heard this term or this uh, phrase, maybe at one point or another in your life. Uh, Some of you that are, you know, kind of my age and older, you probably remember the 2000 movie uh, with Kevin Spacey and Haley Joe Osment and called Pay It Forward. Um, If you haven't heard this term before, basically what this term means is, is that that when someone gives you something, you don't repay the giver. You actually pay forward to someone else. You give to someone else. It's pay it forward. It's an action. It's something that we do. When I pay something forward, I'm expressing or speaking or demonstrating or taking action. I think sometimes uh, I think about paying forward. Sometimes I think about the idea of like, you know, that was really nice that someone gave that to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this and I'm going to give it to someone else. And I think about that, that idea or whatever, and it makes me feel good. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy. But, but to think about paying forward something is very different than actually paying it forward. It reminds me of my fourth grade year. Who remembers fourth grade? Anyone remember their fourth grade? Yeah. Fourth grade for me was, was great. A lot of firsts for me that happened. Um, I was in a different school. Uh, I started, uh, I have four older brothers. And so I was able to just um, be away from them. They actually moved up to the high school or junior high or whatever. And so I was by myself. I was, I was, I was the king of the castle in my fourth grade. And, and I, remember, I remember going to school, little fourth grade Mikey was going to school. And I remember coming home one day, proud, confident, walking up to my parents and saying, parents, I have a girlfriend. And my parents' response was probably that of most, is that it was, a, it was kind of a puzzled, you know, okay, uh, tell me more, you know, what's her name? Why do you like her? Um, what, what, what makes you think you're, you know, what does a girlfriend actually mean in fourth grade? You know, all the, all the normal things that you would ask a fourth grader. And I told him confidently, I said, you know, here's her name. I like her because she's nice. She's in my class. She laughs at all my jokes, you know, real important things that a fourth grader needs. 
And, and they continue on and they continue on with their day and a couple days go by and I'm still, I am, I'm showing up to fourth grade. I got my girlfriend and I come home a couple days later again. Parents, I have a new girlfriend. I told you I was the king of the castle. I was, my brothers weren't there to, to hold me back. I was like, parents, I have a new girlfriend. Again, what's her name? Why do you like her? What does a fourth grade girlfriend really mean? I don't, we don't actually really get that. And I told him, here's her name. Here's what I like. She laughs at my jokes. Great. A couple days go by. A <laughs> couple days go by. Parents. I have another girlfriend. I have a new girlfriend. Can you, and my parents at this point are like, they're puzzled. They're like, ah, uh, something's not right. And so then they start to ask me, say, Mikey, how, how are these girls okay with you having other girlfriends? And I said, yeah, they're fine with it. Okay, uh, well, we'll do like, how do they feel like when, when they see you talking to these other girls and how do they feel about that? And I, they, they're fine with it. Okay, um, well, well, do they know about each other? Like, do they know that, do they know that, that you're their girlfriend? And I said, well, no, I've actually never said a word to any of them. I've just assumed that, and I was puzzled. I was like, well, no, I've never talked to them. And my parents were like, oh, Okay, now we get it. So do they know how you feel? No. <laughs> do they even know who you are? Probably not. Do they, do they know anything about you at all? No, I, I've never talked to them. I'm not that confident. I wouldn't actually talk to them. And why do I tell you this story is because I believe that so often, so often our church can be me in the fourth grade with my girlfriends. You know what I mean? Like we, we know that Jesus loves us, that we know that Jesus loves other people, but, but so often do we show that same love to the people? Do, we, does the, do, the pe do, do people in our world actually know that the church loves them? Or do we talk about it and we, do we discuss it? Do we read it in our Bible? Do we read it in scripture that, that we're supposed to show this love and compassion to the world? But so often I don't, I don't know if the world actually knows how we feel about them. I feel like sometimes people even in our everyday life have no idea we even care. That our coworkers may or may not know that on Sunday mornings we come here and we worship and we, we praise God and we say thank you for all that you've done in our life. All that you've given us and all that you're going to do in our life. But then we go back into our world and does the world even know that we care? I think that, I think that if we asked culture today, if we asked our city today, hey, what does the church care about? What does the church care about? Unfortunately, my heart breaks for the reality that I don't think they would respond with me. You know what I mean? I think so often we would, if we asked them, I think we, they, they would respond with, well, I think the church cares about like right and wrong and what side are you on or, or money or ego or whatever it may be, like whatever image or perception they may have of the church. But, but so often it breaks my heart that I don't think 
If we ask culture and people in, in our city, hey, what does the church care about? What do the people of the church care about? I wonder if they would respond that they care about me. John 13, verse 34, it says this, it says, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus is telling his disciples to love people. He's saying, love people just as I have loved you. If you go back a couple of verses in this chapter, chapter 13, Jesus is actually uh, washing his disciples' feet. He's actually, this is right before the, um, right after the last supper, he's about to go to the cross and he's saying to his disciples, he's saying, hey, uh, you just saw me get on my knees and wash your feet and serve you and love you and care for you. Even you, Judas. And he's saying now to his disciples, he's saying, hey, just as you have received that love for me, I want you to go and love others. Go and show people love and go and show people care. That is how you, they will know that you are my disciples. And we talk about it again. We talk about it in church. We read about it in our Bibles. But is that as far as it gets? I know some, some of us, I mean, in this past 2020, in this past year of 2020, I know some of you, some of us, we've done incredible things, but, but can, can the most of us say that? Because I know I'm looking at my life, I know looking at my life, man, I know that there's times where, man, I, I know what church is all about. I know what Jesus is all about. I know what the scriptures are all about, but do the people in my world know that that's how I actually feel about them? Or is it just a fourth grade mindset, a fourth grade girlfriend mindset? But I get it. I get it. It is difficult. It's difficult to see others right now. It's difficult to care about people and to show them that they are loved. After a year like the one we've had, I think so many of us are not focused on others. And it's not because we, we hate people. It's not because we just dislike people. We just, but I think it's because we've gone through 2020 also. You know what I mean? We have, we have plenty to take our focus away. We've, we ourselves have lost jobs. We've lost money. We've lost dreams. So many of us, all we see in front of us is the brokenness of the world. We're limited by COVID. We, we, we feel the pain. And so how can we show love to others and care to others when we ourselves are, are hurting and struggling? We get on society, we, we look at our society, we look at our country and we just see anger from those that don't think like we do or don't vote like we do or don't believe the way we believe. We see racial tension and hatred in our cities. We, we see it all. We're inundated with, with social media. We're inundated with the news and the anger and the, and the hurt that's happening. And so I get it. I get that it is hard to love people right now. I get it. It's hard. My wife, uh, Morgan, she says to me all the time, like especially when I'm like struggling or when I just get in my head about things, she says this, she says, what is the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy right now? 
And it always reminds me that, that there is an enemy, there's a real enemy that is, is trying to steal, kill, and destroy everything about our life, trying to keep us from saying, to be able to pay forward what Jesus has put in our life. He's saying, I want to I destroy that. I want to block that. I want to create a way that you don't pay forward anything that Jesus has given you. You keep focusing on what I want you to focus on because he wants to steal, kill, and destroy us. And so real quick at the beginning, I just want to give us three ways that I believe that, that our enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy us. And the first one is this, decide they are the problem. Honestly, I probably don't even have to go into that too much because you get it. But we decide they are the problem. I know media can so often confuse and use people's emotions to get ratings. I know we see the worst on TV. We see the brokenness on social media. But what our enemy is trying to do is trying to convince us that they are the problem. That if they would just get on board, everything would be better. If they would just see things the way I see them, we could, we could get along. Sometimes it's, if, if they would just use their brain, right? Then, we, then everything would be okay. Our enemy is working hard to split us, making it us versus them. Because we know Satan, all he wants is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so when we think they are the problem, that's, that's the first way. That's the first way the enemy tries to prevent us from paying forward what Jesus is giving us, is creating this idea that they are the problem. The next way I believe our enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy us is by disqualifying yourself. By disqualifying yourself, it's, it's so easy for us to have excuses that we can convince ourselves of almost anything if we, if we tell ourselves long enough, right? Psychologists actually call this the imposter complex. The imposter complex, it's a, it's a pattern in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or worth to the point of inaction. We convince ourselves that we are inadequate and disqualify ourselves for action because we know people, we know people, we know they're in great need, but what could we do? And so instead, whether we verbalize it or not, we disqualify ourselves by saying, I just need to keep my head down. I don't have anything to offer. I'm too busy to make a difference. I'm not enough. Even if I tried, it wouldn't work. And by doing this, we're just disqualifying ourselves from taking action. And lastly, another way that Satan tries to steal, kill, and destroy us is by protecting yourself. I mean, who knows, right? Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Who knows what's going to happen next week? Who knows what's going to happen next year? We need to protect ourselves. I want to make sure that I take care of me and I'm protected. I wanted to make sure that my ideals are protected. I want to make sure my, my, um, my way of thinking is protected. We don't see others because we also have lost jobs and money. We too have been hurt by the world. We too are limited by COVID. And so instead of showing love, the love of Jesus to others, I need to want, I just need to protect myself. And I believe I believe the enemy is trying to, he's trying real hard. He's trying real, real hard to get those, those lies in our head as a church. That if they're the problem, if I'm not enough, if I disqualify myself, if I, if I, if I just protect myself, then, then I'm, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm, and he's trying to convince us that this 
is the reality that we need to do these things. And because I believe that Satan knows, our enemy knows that, that if the church began to pay forward what we have received from Jesus, everything in our world would change. I'll say it again. If, if the, en- the enemy knows that if we believed so much that we pay forward what Jesus has already given us to the world, everything in our world would change. And so he's fighting hard to say, hey, I'm going to put these lies in their head. I'm going to convince them with any means necessary, whether social media, whether friends, whether family, whether turkey dinner, whatever it is, I'm going to convince them that they're the problem so that they don't do this because he knows. What people need is a church that knows they exist. People in our world, the world needs a church that knows that they exist by demonstrating the love that we have for them. Our cities need a church that is determined to show them love and graciousness and care of Jesus. They need us to pay forward what Jesus has so richly given us. They don't need a world, the church doesn't need a world that is a church that just sits back and hopes that someone else takes care of it, but they need a church that steps in and says, I'm gonna push back darkness no matter what. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show love and care and compassion to people regardless of what happens. And so how can we do this? How can we pay it forward? There's a very popular story in uh, Mark chapter six, verse, th- verse 30. It's the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. I wanna look at this story and see three ways that we can pay it forward to our world. We can, we can share the love of Jesus that we have, that we have received to the rest of the world. And so I'm gonna start reading in Mark chapter six, verse 30. And it says this, it says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them because they were sheep, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, and so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. I said to him, that would take more than a half year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread to give to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. And then Jesus directed them to all, them all to have the people sit down in groups on the gra- green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. So Jesus and his disciples, here's the story, is that Jesus and his disciples had been ministering and serving the city and the surrounding cities for days. 
Now they've come back together. The, the, the disciples have come back together with Jesus. They're meeting up with him and they're, saying, they're telling him all that's been happening, all that's been going on, sharing testimonies about all the, all the incredible things that have happened. And Jesus sees that they are hungry. He sees that they're tired. He sees that they're worn out. And he's saying, hey, I care about that. I want you guys to join me. Y'all, hey, let's go to a solitary place. I believe that Jesus cares deeply about us having this, this me time. Who knows what me time? We all, we all need some me time, right? It's the holidays. Um, I've got an introverted wife. Everyone, we know that we've got, we need to have some me time and Jesus cares about that. But I think in this moment, Jesus is trying to say, hey, I know that you guys are tired. I know that you guys are worn out. I know you guys are hungry, but I wanna, I wanna actually, I wanna share, I wanna show you a, a, a greater purpose. I wanna show you a bigger purpose. And so, the first way that we can pay forward the love of Jesus is this, is by, is don't send away your purpose. Again, Jesus meets the crowd. Jesus knows that, that the disciples just want to be alone, just want to recover, just want to eat. And I believe again, Jesus wants this for them. But so often what can happen is, is we send away the people that Jesus has put in our lives. And so Jesus wants to use this opportunity to show his disciples care for people. He knows how, he knows, again, I said it, he knows how worn out they are. But Jesus wants to show them an opportunity of how to care for people, how to care for not just people, but desperate people. I don't know if you caught it in that verse, but, but what's happening is, is that there's 5,000 men with their families that, are, that, that they see these 13 men, the 12 disciples in Jesus, they see these disciples in Jesus and they chase after them. Like on foot, they take off and run around this lake and they actually beat them to the place that they were trying to get to. Like that's, that's, that's desperation. How else do I know it's desperate is because they took their whole families with no food to a desolate place. I don't have kids, but Who's going to show up to a desolate place with no food for hours with their kids? You got to be, de- if you do that, you know you got to be desperate for whatever is there. And so Jesus is saying, I want to show you how to care for desperate people. I believe that, I believe in the same way 2020 has shown us what desperation looks like. We've seen people that are, we've seen so many people that are, that are desperate. And so often I think desperation can come out in fear. It can come out in pride, anger, neediness. Think about the people in your world that are desperate. You know, the person that, that you work with that is always needy or the person in your family that is just trying to one-up you or the person online who's always angry or prideful. That is a cry of desperation. That's a cry. That's, that's them crying out saying, I'm desperate for something and I don't know what it is. And so it's coming out in anger. It's coming out in neediness. It's coming out in just saying, hey, I need someone to care about me. So many people don't even realize that what they're desperate for is Jesus. We have that truth. We know that that's what they're after, but I don't even think they know. I think Jesus sees that he says it. He says, these people are like a sheep without a shepherd. He's saying, they're like a sheep without a shepherd. Meaning they, these people, the, the disciples would know that a, 
a sheep without shepherd would be absolutely crazy, looking for anything to survive, desperate. He's saying they're like, a she- they're like sheep without a shepherd, and so I'm going to have compassion on them. Mark 6, 34, he says, when Jesus got ashore, he saw the great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. They were desperate. The crowd didn't care at all that the disciples hadn't eaten, didn't care at all that they hadn't rested or were exhausted. All they knew is they were desperate for something. Hopefully it was Jesus. I believe that Jesus is taking this opportunity. He's saying, guys, I know you're tired. I know you're worn out. I know. And that's important to me. He said, I, I, that is important. But I'm going to take this opportunity and I want to show you. I want to show you how I receive, how I treat desperate people in our world. He says, I'm going to give them compassion. Matthew and Luke, actually, they tell the same story. And they say that he not only gives them compassion, but he also welcomes them. He welcomes them into the fold. He also goes beyond that and he heals their sick. Jesus is saying, I know that you guys are tired, but don't send away the purpose. Don't send away your purpose. I've, I, our purpose in life, church, our purpose is people. People are our purpose. And so when they come at us desperate, don't respond by sending them away. Don't respond by saying, get out of here. You think differently than me. You make me angry. You, you are inconveniencing me. You are desperate. But we don't send them away, but we receive them and we have compassion and we care. What if Jesus, what if Jesus put those people in your life so that you could show them love and compassion of Jesus. Maybe you're completely different than them in every way. What if Jesus said, I'm actually bringing this desperate desperate people to you, not for you to just send them away, but because I want you to show them compassion and love, just like I've shown you. I mean, the disciples, they knew, they knew what was coming. They knew that these people needed food. They needed, and they didn't have the food they needed. And so they said, send them away. I don't have, you know, it's the the disciples, they they realize what's happening. Like, Jesus, these people are getting hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. We don't have Snickers bars. I I mean, we don't have anything. We don't have anything to give them. So we need to just send them away so they can go find their own. And Jesus says, no, 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 you give them something to eat. First way we can pay it forward is, is we don't send away our purpose. We don't send away people in our lives that we just, we just don't have time for. But instead we show compassion, we show care, we welcome people. The second way we, we can pay it forward is this, is you give what you do have. Give what you do have. Mark 6, 37 and 38 But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. And the disciples said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? 
How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. We all, stay with me, but we all have five loaves and two fish. You know what I mean? Like that's not a lot. Five loaves and two fish, would, would, it, was a, it was a little kid's lunch. If you read the story, they, they actually took it from a little kid. Kind of a jacked up story, who knows. But, they, but they, they took it from him and they said, Jesus, this is all we got. It's not a lot. It's enough to feed that little boy. But we give what we do have. So if we don't have a lot, that's fine. But I believe every one of us in here, we've, we've got something to give. I believe you don't have to be able to preach like John Mark, but I believe that your words can impact the world. Your words can impact the city. The message that you do have inside of you can actually change climates of your workplaces and your homes. We don't have to be able to sing like Morgan or Robert or these guys up here. We don't have to be able to sing like them, but, but guess what? Your voices carry with it power and worship. We do have something to give. I believe that, I believe that who you are, I say this to the students a lot. I believe that who you are is enough to change the world. I believe who you are, what you have is enough to change the world. Guys, if we, if we can believe that, if I can believe that for this generation coming up, because guys, we've got an incredible generation of students coming up that are, that are, are fight, they're, they're, they're going for it. Adults, uh, parents, if we can believe that for them, then we've got to be able to believe that for ourselves. Give what you do have. I believe that if we gave what we have, everything would change. Here's a list of things that, that I believe that if we did this list of things, our world would change. Like everything would change. The people in our life would change. And this list, guess what? This list takes zero talent. And so none of us have an excuse. Being on time, being nice, being engaged. What would it look like if we were engaged with people that were talking to us, right? If we, were, if we weren't just going by blinders on, just trying to get through the day, but we stopped and we looked at people and we, we were engaged with them. Like we, we, spent, we spent that extra 30 seconds or that extra minute and we just stayed engaged in what they were saying and, and listening to what they had and not just trying to respond with whatever uh, way we can get out of this conversation, but we, we stayed engaged. Being honorable, we honor people if we had honor towards all people, if we, if we showed honor to the people that it doesn't make sense for us to honor. Eye contact, looking someone in their face, like just eye contact, not complaining. Whew, not complaining. Hard work, commitment, diligence, patience, gratitude, encouragement, writing a thank you note, speaking life, if we stopped speaking death, we stopped speaking enemies, but we started speaking life into people. Shutting down gossip. Not just not gossiping, but actually shutting down gossip. Showing respect, praying, fasting, 
And the list could go on and on and on, but, but what you have is enough. What we have is enough. But so often there's someone in here even right now saying, yeah, but that's not, not, that's not me. That's, I couldn't do it because no, you are who I'm talking about. I'm saying, no, you do have enough. You, you are enough to be able to change the world. Who you are can do that. Again, I'll say it again. When we give what we do have, everything changes. When each one of us give what we do have, our world around us will change. People will begin to see that, that there's a group of people, there's a group of people called the church that love and care and show respect and look me in my eyes and show up on time and work hard and they're diligent. And we do it because we know that Jesus has already done this for us. And so we're just doing it to show what he's already done. We give what we do have. And lastly, let me close with this. How do we pay it forward? Is we don't send away our purpose, that people are our purpose. And we give what we do have. And the last one is this, is you give what you don't have. You give what you don't have. Mark 6, 41 and 42 says this, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, Jesus gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them and they all ate and were satisfied. Jesus took what they do have, broke it, gave it to the disciples to give out to the crowd. Don't you find this to be crazy? I mean, think about this, that this is God. This is Jesus. And he just took, he, he sees this, this crowd of people, thousands, they, they estimated of, of almost 10,000 people is what some people estimate. But if it's 5,000 men with all their families, up to 10,000 people. And, and Jesus is looking at this, this little bit that this group of men this group of this church that's looking at him, their little bit of stuff that, that they're giving him, this five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, watch what I'm gonna do because we know that he could make manna fall from the sky. He could have manna fall from the heavens and everyone just be like, yep, I'll take that one. Or he could turn rocks into bread. He could turn the stones into bread if he wanted. I mean, Jesus, I believe he could snap his finger and everyone's stomachs would be instantly full. But what did he do? What did he do? He, Jesus gave the disciples what they didn't have so the disciples could give to the people what they desperately needed. Jesus gave the disciples what they didn't have, bread, so that they could take that bread and give it to the people what they desperately needed. I want you to see this. Mark 6 verse 7 says this, it says, this is before, this is, this is going back a few verses. This is what, what kind of prompted this. And it says, verse seven, and Jesus called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Verse eight, he charged them, Jesus charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff. He says, don't take bread, don't take a bag, don't take any money. 
He said to them specifically, do not bring with you money or bread. The two exact things that Jesus knew that, hey, when we meet up again, for you to reach this crowd, this is what you're gonna need if you try to do it on your own. But Jesus says, you can't do that. He says, I want you to pay it forward. I want you to show love and compassion and care for people. But guess what? You can't do it alone. You need God to help you. We need Jesus to actually do it for us because so often we have to give what we don't have. I'm wondering if Jesus is setting this up intentionally to show these men who would know that they need and desire, what they need and what they desire and what they long for in life is also what the world needs and long for and needs in life. Jesus gave the disciples what they didn't have, bread, so that they would give it away to the people. Here's what I mean. We come together for church. We come here and we worship and we come into community and we spend time with each other. We have our life groups and we, 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 we share with each other. We, have, we come in here because some of you in here, I know you need to come here and you need to just receive some joy. You need to receive some, some patience, some peace, some kindness. We come in here so because we need, we, need we need God to fill us up again, to give us some, just some love for people. And then God gives you that. So we come in and we, 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 we receive joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. We receive that from Jesus, not so that we can then leave and say, okay, I've got it. I've got the joy. I've got the, I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Anybody know that song? We, 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 don't, we don't leave so that we can have the joy in our heart. We leave it so that we can give the joy away. We leave till we can say, hey, I needed this. I was desperate for it. Jesus has given me love, peace, patience, kindness, so that I can pay it forward to someone else. We come to church so that we can know God. We can find freedom. We can discover our purpose so that we can go out and make a difference. We give what we don't have. We come in here and we say, Jesus, I don't have what these people need. I don't have what, what my family needs. I don't have what my coworkers need. I don't have what, what this, this city needs. I need you to give that to me. I need you to give that, fill me up with it, what I don't have so that I can give it away. So that I can give it away over and over and over. I believe that all that matters this morning is that we pay it forward. We pay it forward what Jesus has so richly given to us. The world wants to know that, that we care, that we actually huddle together. We actually come into this place for people because people are our purpose. We, we don't come into church because we, we, we do. I'm, we come into church because we need it, yes. It's just like a football team, they come into a huddle. They don't come into the huddle to stay in the huddle. They come into the huddle so that they can go out and go win the game. We come into church so that we can receive from Jesus what we don't have so that we can go out and pay forward what we've received. I believe that, I believe that if we took this message to heart, I believe that this could change our cities. This could change, my, you know what my prayer is? 
My prayer is that we change social media. We, we flip it on its head. We change everything about social media. I know, that, I know that some of us may or may not be on it, but I do know that there is a, a, a huge amount of people that are drastically affected by it. And I pray that the church would get on social media and say, hey, I'm gonna pay forward the love that I have. I'm gonna see the, the brokenness and the hurt and, the, and the, the anger and the hatred and the pride. And I'm not gonna respond with that, but I'm gonna respond with love and care and compassion and welcome them in. My prayer is that we flip social media over to where it is not a divisive thing, but it is a unifying thing. I know that maybe someone, someone in here today, you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, I get it. I mean, that, that all sounds great, but, but maybe you today are one of the desperate. Maybe you're one of the ones in the crowd that are just desperate for Jesus. Maybe you came in, you weren't sure if it was Jesus or not, but, but can I tell you that, that it is? Someone in here today, I, be, I, I believe that, that you have been searching your whole life. You've, maybe you've been coming to church and maybe you've been um, watching online, maybe whatever it is, you've been, you've been searching your whole life because you are desperate to feel alive again, to feel like you, someone cares that you have significance, that you are important. Can I tell you that that person is Jesus, that he's saying, I, I am welcoming you. And so maybe that's you this morning. Is that you're just like, man, I'm just showing up because I'm, I'm hungry. <laughs> I need something, I need something. In just a second, I wanna pray with you. And I believe and we believe that that anyone that confesses Jesus is saved. And I believe that you can find that compassion, you can find that love, you can find that care this morning in Jesus. And so right now, if that's you, we're all gonna close our eyes, we're all gonna bow our heads, we're all gonna, and I'm just gonna pray over you. And I would encourage you, pray this prayer with me or use your own words and know that, that you saying this prayer is actually you just inviting Jesus in and saying, hey, Jesus, I need you in my life. Let me pray. Jesus, we, we come here and we are desperate, Lord. We're desperate for, for you. We're desperate for the real thing, Lord. We need to know that you are real and that you are here and that you care. Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I pray that you would come into my life and save me. Lord, we give you our life. Amen. I believe that if you've prayed this prayer this morning, I believe it with everything I am, that Jesus heard it, Jesus has welcomed you and Jesus has saved you. And we want to know, we want to we walk through this with you. Don't do this journey alone. Don't, don't just have this and then just take off. But we want to do this journey with you. And so we have an online connect card. I would love for you to go online, fill out our online connect card. Let us know that, that you gave your life to Jesus today so that we, we can celebrate with you. We can, I mean, the whole, the whole heavens right now are already celebrating, but we want to celebrate with you. We wanna give you some next steps. We wanna just walk you through this process. 
So if you put that on your Connect card, someone will reach out to you soon. Also on that Connect card, if, if you're new this morning, if you're new online, we'd love to know that you joined us, that you were a part of this, that you were here. We'd love to just know that you're with us. Put some information down, we'll reach out to you as well. If you've got a prayer request, let us know. We wanna pray with you. The Gathering Church podcast is produced by the Gathering Church creative team. Want to get involved? Fill out a Connect card online at gatherashville.org. Find us on Facebook at The Gathering Church or on Instagram at Gather Asheville.